Hello, and welcome to another episode of One Geek's Opinion. I'm your host, Geek Will, and ooh boy. Samurai Jack, Season 5, Episode 1. Now, just to be clear, for now, I'll just be talking about the first episode that recently came out. And then I'll be reviewing the season proper when it all comes out in full. But suffice it to say, I gotta talk about the first episode which aired March 11th on Adult Swim. So expect some more mature themes to be present. Now, before we begin proper, I gotta get some things off my chest. First off, I only watched a few episodes of Samurai Jack during its original run. I was not a huge enough fan of it to dedicate my schedule to watching episodes of it, though I did seriously enjoy watching the episodes that I did see, such as The Birth of Evil Parts 1 and 2. Secondly, my real introduction to Gendy Tartakovsky's work was Star Wars Clone Wars, the 2D animation micro-series that came out before and after Star Wars Episode 3. I really like that series, and it uses all of the elements of storytelling that Gendy employs in Samurai Jack, which are still present in the first episode of Season 5. Now, with that being said, let's get to the meat of the matter. Though I should mention there will be spoilers in this episode. You have been warned. Our first scene is a long-distance shot of a city that seems peaceful, tranquil, until the explosions go off and you hear the screams of the populace. From the distance comes a mother, her daughter holding her hand and her infant in her arm. Blue skin, maybe fur, feline mouth features, and two bulb antennae. These people have been on hard times, and harder still, as they are being chased by Aku's beetle bots. These bots are clearly upgraded versions, as they have two pincer-like horns on their heads instead of the one. They swarm around the trio, trapping them as the bots circle around them. The mother leans down, and through an electrical current generated by her antenna, writes, I love you, which the daughter returns. The robots stop moving. A silence falls. And then, you hear something. An engine. They turn and look, and see in the distance moving towards them, a figure on a motorcycle. A figure covered in cobalt armor styled in the fashion of a samurai. We don't see his face at first, due to him wearing a red face mask. He pulls out a large gun and fires a missile at the crowd of beetlebots, carving a path to the three figures in the middle. He immediately gets to work, shooting bullets from his large machine gun into the bots, shredding them apart. He then hikes up the front wheel of his motorcycle, which then has spikes pop out of. A brave bug charges, only to then be thoroughly decimated by the spiked wheel, the rear wheel popping spikes itself, as he launches himself onto the crowd. Knocked off the bike, he pulls out a smaller gun from his holster and begins to fire. Afterwards, he produces a collapsible staff that on one end produces a multiple-pronged head, and on the other end creates an electrical charge, and then gets to work dispatching the remaining bots, only for his mask to be destroyed in the process. Mask and helmet knocked off. We see who it is. A long-haired, bearded, samurai jack which the daughter instantly recognizes. Jack destroys the remaining bots, collects his things, and sets off once again into the distance, with a little girl saying, Thank you. Now we get the exposition. Just like how Aku explained the premise of the show in the first four seasons, Jack now has his own monologue to explain what's going on. In short, it's not good. Fifty years have passed, and Jack cannot physically age. He is stuck in both a body that doesn't age, and an era that will not age. Aku's evil is still omnipresent, 
and nothing Jack has done or accomplished has changed that. Jack has lost all hope. The next scene we get is a rather dark scene. What can only be described as a sorority of evil, a woman is screaming and howling in agony as seven daughters are delivered into the world to serve as tools for Aku in destroying the one known as Jack. We then see Jack riding down a scenic path of the woods, stopping only when he hears an explosion and sees smoke rising from a nearby town. Jack then does something we have never seen before. He rides away from the problem. This is a man who gave up on killing Aku temporarily just so he could save a brother and sister so they in turn could save their home planet and family. This is a man who took care of a child despite not knowing how to do so. Jack comes upon a stream and kneels to get some water. As he does so, he hears his father's voice. Hallucinating that a leaf of the water is his father, he is asked why he had forsaken them. Then he sees and hears his mother lamenting that he never came back. And as multiple leaves fall into the stream, taking on the forms of the dead in his hallucination, we then see something. A silhouette of a rider, decked out in samurai armor, looking at Jack, never blinking. We once again see something we have never seen before. Jack runs away in terror. He may have fled from several enemies in the past, but only so he could find an advantage to his situation. Never has he done so in fear before. The next scene is the first of several scenes featuring the seven daughters training. One of them fails to properly perform a kata, and the mother reprimands her in the only way a priestess of an evil cult could do. Slap her across the face with a staff and tell her failure is death. Motherly love at its finest, folks. The girls then square off against an opponent that is more muscle than human and are thrashed about. The child before, later identified as Ashi, then sees a shaft of light and follows it. From the hole the light comes from, she sees a beautiful and tranquil landscape. She smiles at the sight, only to be found by her mother, who then tells her that it is Aku who creates such things and that the samurai will destroy them. After a somewhat compassionate and motherly speech, the priestess then tells the opponent to give Ashi a special lesson. We only see the shadow of the lesson, and even that isn't pretty. Jack sits alone by a campfire picking out his food, when he hears his father once again. Crucified in the fire, he laments, then scolds Jack for shunning his duty, for forgetting his purpose, for forsaking his people. And then that silhouette of the horseman appears once again, and once again, Jack flees in terror. Only this time, he runs toward the city that was attacked earlier. Another training scene, where the daughters are navigating a pit filled only with stone pillars. Ashi stumbles and falls, and one of her sisters reaches out for her, only for the priestess to stop her. The priestess then looks to Ashi, and says something to the effect of, The strong continue, and the weak fall. Are you weak? She then slams the end of the staff on Ashi's hand, asking her the question again, and again, and again. Each time putting more pressure on Ashi, who then screams and jumps over the priestess, back on the pillar, and continues. Satisfied with this, the priestess notes that the fires of Aku burn still. She approaches the statue of Aku that they worship, telling it that the hour comes, their training nears completion, and soon he may grace them with his presence once more. Jack arrives at the city, where it is nothing but a scene of carnage and devastation. He walks through it and finds the perpetrator, another one of Aku's robot assassins, the musical-themed fiend, Scaramouche the Merciless, 
voiced by Tom Kenny. As Kiribush talks, he realizes that Jack lacks his sword. Then we learn via a flashback that Jack has lost his sword. You know, the only known weapon that can kill a coup, the sword forged by Odin, Ra, and Vishnu, to help combat against the Shogun of Shadow. Jack attacks Scaramouche before he can tell Aku, neither one knowing that Jack has lost his sword. Also, smartphones are a thing in this era. Scaramouche then pulls out a flute and starts playing it, the rocks around Jack coming together to form a giant golem that then attacks him. After dispatching the golem, Jack hallucinates once again, this time the rocks forming starved children, asking him for his help, and that rider once again looking on at him. Breaking out of his hallucination via rock to the face, Jack then uses his shoulder plates as hand shields and blocks the rocks thrown at him, using one of the shields to break the flute. Scaramouche then pulls out a Tao-like sword, throwing it into the air, and by scat singing, can telepathically move it. Using this in tandem with a tuning fork-esque short sword that can cause an item to vibrate to the point it shatters, an intense fight with Jack ensues. He is defeated, only by Jack throwing one of his knives at Scaramouche after it had been hit several times with a tuning fork weapon, exploding in Scaramouche's face. Defeated, Scaramouche says that it's his time to bow out and let Jack take center stage just before Jack splits him in two with his own Dao sword. After Scaramouche explodes, Jack takes his tuning fork sword and walks away. The final scene is the final training scene of the Seven Daughters. Their final trials for them to scale a single stone pillar while fighting off other opponents. Ashi has developed into a competent fighter, running towards an archer, grabbing an arrow as it is fired from the bow, turning it around, and jamming it into the archer's eye. As they reach the top, the priestess informs them that the training is complete, gives them similar masks, and their mission. Kill Samurai Jack. This aired on Saturday, March 11th on Adult Swim, and I gotta say, I can't wait for more. This is definitely a more mature take of the show, not dark per se, though the fact that Jack lost his sword could make anyone say that all hope is lost. Jack is depressed and suffering from some form of PTSD, haunted by hallucinations and the image of that silhouette. He no longer seems invested in helping people out, or at least won't go out of his way to help others. If they are in the middle of his path, he will help them, but other than that, don't expect much. Unless a fiery hallucination of his father calls him out on it. Something happened to him to make him like this, and it wasn't just not aging for 50 years. The daughters of Aku are going to be the main threat in the story. Scarabooch was funny and cool to watch, but he gets beaten handily and is used to assure the viewer that Jack can still fight without his sword. The daughters have been trained since birth to be assassins in Aku's employ, with Ashi being the daughter with the most character development, with her most likely being the one who will either turn and become good, or fall further into darkness. Also, who the heck is that rider? Is he just an hallucination? A manifestation of Jack's doubts and fears? Or has Jack faced him in the past, during the battle when he lost his sword? Did he then take Jack's sword as a trophy? Who is this guy? This season has a more central and focused storyline, instead of the more episodic storytelling of the past four seasons. There is a theme of Jack being more reluctant to be a hero and moving beyond his depression and his fear of that silhouetted rider. Jack is voiced once again by Philomar, and Aku, who we heard briefly in this episode, is voiced by Greg Baldwin. When Aku's original voice actor, Mako, passed away in 2006, Greg took over the role of Iroh in Avatar The Last Airbender 
and now is used as the voice of Aku. Honestly, when Mako passed away and Greg took over for the role of Iroh, I couldn't really tell the difference, and though we heard a little of Aku in this episode, I have high hopes for the role. Now because this is being shown on Adult Swim instead of Cartoon Network, there will be more mature themes and imagery this season. The first example of this is the birthing scene of the Seven Daughters. No way would that have made its way to Cartoon Network. Another example is the use of blood. The first instance of it being used in this season during the final training scene, when Ashi rams the arrow into the archer's eye, a spurt of blood is shown before the camera focuses on Ashi. Though in the past seasons, Jack would acquire red lines to indicate he was cut or hurt in some way, there was never any blood shown in those instances. I love Genny Tartakovsky's style of storytelling. It's very much show, don't tell. Not to mention his use of sound and music, removing one to highlight the other to help raise attention in a scene. This style of storytelling would be used again in Star Wars Clone Wars, and it works perfectly. I'll have to talk about that sometime soon. So, that was Episode 1 of Season 5 of Samurai Jack. When the season is completed, I'll talk about it in full, but until then we'll have to wait and watch. I'm looking forward to this, I hope you guys are as well. If you liked what you heard today, leave a comment, drop a like, and check me out on Twitter, Facebook, and a list of my audiobook work on iTunes, Amazon, and Audible. Thanks for tuning in, and come back next time for some geeky opinions.